celebrating. All right, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 1. And uh, we are in the midst of our 50-day focus that we've entitled, Arise to the Challenge. How many of you love a good challenge? Okay, two of us. How many are ready for a new challenge today? All right, you guys, this is going to be good. This is a good one. I just, I'll, give you, I'll just give you the, the, the preview. It's as easy as pie. Not P-I, pie, not 3.14159, whatever it is. Like, that's hard. Like, this is as easy as, like, pie. How many of you love pie? Apple pie. Is this not pie season? It's just, it's a beautiful thing. So, so just so you know, today's challenge is as easy as pie. Just remember that. All right. So, we're in the midst of our 50-day challenge. And this is about saying yes to Jesus in order that we might live lives that honor Him and reflect His purpose. It's about developing disciplines that reflect that yes to Jesus, that properly position our lives, uh, that we might live them as we were created. And so we're just all about, God, would you just help us stretch? And, and the theme verse we've been thinking around is actually Mark chapter 8, uh, beginning in verse 34 that says this, then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciple. How many of you want to be his disciple? All right, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory. So we, we've looked at a few different things. We, we've talked about, uh, last week we talked about the importance of living under new management, that Jesus has called us to live different. And uh, today we're going to begin... Uh, today's message is going to be on refusing fear. How many of you have little things you're afraid of? How many of you don't like spiders? Some of you, how, how many, like, it's bugs? Rats? Okay, I want to give you an opportunity to share your fears. How many are ready for this? I'm going to go one, two, three, and when I hit three, just shout out what you're afraid of. Or whisper it. But you don't have to shout it loud. Okay, but just, okay, ready? What, are, what is it that makes you afraid. One, two, three, go. It's clowns. I heard clowns, snakes, and I heard a whole lot of silence. Did you know like one of the greatest fears is actually public speaking? And so I just try to make you do it, and you're like, yeah, I ain't playing that game, right? And uh, it, it's interesting, fe fears. Uh, I remember one time when I was a kid, we were in Edmonton, and, and Edmonton is... Um, it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful place. Every once in a while, we get these thunderstorms that would roll through or that roll through, and they're just, they can be quite intense. And uh, I, I remember one time as a kid, I think it was probably in, what was it? I think it was the first grade, first or second grade. And uh, it was just incredible lightning storm. Like, it was like lightning, and then, like, you don't even get a chance to count. How many of you, when the lightning goes, you start counting? One, two, three, because you divide it by five, and that's how far behind it is. Well, this was lightning would happen, and then like just moments, like literally second later, kaboom, and the whole place shakes. How many have been in those kind of storms? And I remember being so absolutely panicked as a child, 
And, uh, and I remember the thing that brought me comfort. It was having my lightsaber. Because apparently lightsabers would uh, ward off uh, the noise. But, but, it, but it's interesting how, how much fears affect our lives. And uh, fear is a powerful emotion. And, and, and I, I want you to know that, that, that fear has a purpose and a place. And, and, and just so you know, like there, there is an appropriate time to be afraid. So I'm, I'm not saying that you should never be afraid. But we all know this, that, that sometimes there, you can be in a place where you're recklessly naive, where you have no fear. That's like one ditch. And then there's the other ditch where you can just become afraid uh, of everything. And, and when fear is, is at work in our lives or when we feel fear, um, th- there are different responses that we typically have to it. Sometimes when we're afraid, um, we, we can become paralyzed by it where we just kind of like freeze, not knowing what to do. And it's just kind of like we're just trying to take in as much data as we can to figure out what do we do next. Sometimes when uh, fear is present, we, we just want to run. And we want to avoid it, and, and, and we're just like, you know, we, we, just, we just try and skedaddle. We try and, you know, uh, turn on lights. We're just trying to make whatever it is that we're afraid of just simply go away. Other times when we're afraid or when fears at work in our lives, we can sometimes become very antagonistic. We, we can begin to fight and we can begin to struggle because fear gives us this sense that, oh, my goodness, am I going to make it? Now, I want you to know that, again, there's an appropriate place for fear in life, but, but too often, we allow our fears to actually dictate the way we live. And, and I'm convinced that the enemy of our souls loves to use fear to manipulate situations, to entice false security, and to minimize the potential of others. And, and, and we see this manifest in, in so many different ways where, where, where the enemy wants us to live in a place of perpetual fear. And we've gone through like a, just a really interesting season as we wrestle with all the things that can kill us, right? And, and, and how do we respond in them? Well, today as we talk about arising to the challenge, today's challenge is about refusing fear. And it's about saying that, you know what, I'm not going to let my life be dictated by the things which I'm afraid of. Rather, I am going to live a life fully devoted to Christ. And the big idea we're going to think around is this, is that faith enables us to overcome fear through the empowering of the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to look at uh, uh, 2 Timothy uh, chapter 1, verses 3 through 12. And Paul is writing a very personal letter uh, to his young protege, whose name is Timothy. Timothy happens to be pastoring in Ephesus. and, And just so you know, this is one of Paul's last letters that he's writing. He's writing it from a prison, and and he knows that his time on planet Earth is coming quickly to a close. Yet in the midst of his terrible circumstances, we find his faith firm and his hope unwavering. And so as we look at this passage, I want to highlight three um, three important ideas that that we need to understand as as we uh, choose to refuse fear, and then we're going to look at some ways that we can live it out. Um, we're going to begin reading in verse 3 that says this. Paul is just writing to Timothy and says, I thank God whom I serve as my ancestors did. With a clear conscience as night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that you may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, 
which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Now, as we look at this, the first thing I want to note is that we must take responsibility for the fervency of our faith. I want you to see what Paul is doing in this. The, the, the beginning of his letter is he, he's expressing his, his gratitude, his love, the fact that he is, he is concerned and he is praying and he is thinking of Timothy. But, but he says to Timothy, who happens to be a third-generation Christian, and he's got Lois and he's got uh, uh, Eunice. But what, what Timothy has done is he's actually made faith his own. And Paul says, listen, I am reminded of your sincere faith. I'm reminded of your sincere faith. And I, I love that. Because the idea of sincere there means without hypocrisy, without masks, without pretense. So, so the word hypocrite, actually, the, the Greek idea of hypocrite is actually the, the, this idea of you would put on a mask to project a person to project a, a personality. It was often used in theater, and uh, in, in Greek theater. And so this idea is, is that his faith is without mass. He, he's not faking it. it it's, it's not something that's just been placed upon him by, by family and heritage. But, but he's just like, I, I recognize your sincere, your genuine faith. You see, Timothy made a decision to follow Jesus. He, he, it wasn't sufficient for him just, just to say, you know what, it, it's my parents' faith, but it was a faith that was alive to him. And I think this is important for us to recognize. You see, sometimes in life what we do is, is we acknowledge faith or we say that we're people of faith or, or we're Christians. But sometimes that claim has no bearing upon our lives. John reminds us, the, the Apostle John in, in his letter writes, whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. And, and, and really this idea of genuine faith in Christ needs to be manifest in how we live our lives. And so Paul goes on to say, for this reason. Like because you have this genuine faith, that this faith that, that has been gifted to you, that, that you, you, know, you, you saw you know, working in your grandmother and your mother, and it's now working you this faith. I want to remind you. Now, how many of you set reminders because you like forget things? Like a reminder on your phone. Like so when you get home, you do this, and you write it down just to remind yourself because we all forget things. And Paul's like, listen, Timothy, I want to remind you to fan into flame the gift of God. You have a genuine faith, but, but i got to remind you, you need to fan into flame the gift of God. This idea of fanning into flame is, is really the picture of, of kindling a fire. Now, how many of you love fires? I, I love fire. I love burning things. Val loves burning things, right, Val? How many know the bigger the fire, the better? Can I get a witness? Right? I love it when the flames are taller than me. And you can only get, you know, like within 20 feet because it's just amazing. And we love big, some of us do. Some of us pyros. It's okay. We'll pray later and we'll let everybody else experience it too. But, but you know, there, there's something about a big fire that, that's just, it's fun. Have you ever noticed people love watching fires? 
Like you, you can just you can stare at it. People are drawn to it. But, but you build these big fires, and it's just like, wow, it gives off light, and it gives warmth, and it's just amazing. But if you just leave it, it goes out. It starts to dwindle down, and there's no fuel for the fire. The fire can go out. And Paul is telling Timothy, Timothy, you need to understand that you have a responsibility to fan into flame the gift that God has given you. That you have the responsibility to fan into flame this gift of, gift of faith that's been given to you. See, sometimes we love to put the responsibility on others. Sometimes we think, you know what, if I can find the right church, if we can just get the right pastor, if, if, if we can just find, you know, maybe, maybe you know, maybe if life is good, then, then, then you know, I'll, I'll fan into flame, then my faith will be huge. But Paul says, listen, Timothy, I want to remind you, it's your responsibility to fan into flame the gift of God. It's your responsibility to nurture the faith in you. I think this is so important, especially as we begin to talk about this idea of refusing fear. Because one of the things that we have to understand that fear does in our lives is fear has a way of smothering faith. And if we're not intentional, the fears that we experience in the life that, you know, as we go through life can have an effect on our heart, on our relationship with God. It can begin to cause that fire to be quenched. And if we don't take responsibility for our faith, that what ends up happening is the situations and circumstances of life can begin to overwhelm. And Paul knows this. And Paul's writing to Timothy saying, listen, I want to remind you to fan into flame the gift of God. Fan it into flame. You've got to work this. And then he goes on to say this. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join me in the suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He has saved us and he has called us to a holy life. I want everybody to recognize that God has called us to a holy life. That's what we've been called to, a holy life. Not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. You see, not only must we take responsibility for the fervency of our faith, we must also refuse to allow our fears to limit our calling. That we have to refuse fear in order to keep it from limiting our calling. See, Paul is writing to Timothy because it seems as though Timothy has a bit of a struggle. So one of the things we know in his first letter, 1 Timothy, we find out that Timothy is a young man. 
And he, he, he's a young man that's serving in a church where there are people that are a whole lot older than him, who've been through a whole lot more. And, and, and there was a sense of intimidation that he would feel in the midst of all the people saying, how can I do this? Like, what do I know? I'm young. And Paul says, don't let anybody look down on you because you are young. You see, Timothy struggled with fears. He struggled with insecurities. He, he, he struggled with living out his faith in a hostile world. And Paul wanted to remind him, listen, when you allow fear to continue to arise in your heart, when, when you dwell on it, when you allow it to direct your life, what it begins to do is it begins to smother the fire of faith. This idea of timidity, God does not, uh, for the spirit, of, the spirit God gives us does not make us timid. This idea of timidity is, is cowardice. It's about fearfulness. It's about allowing our fears to lead us. It's interesting that Paul connects Timothy's timidity with being ashamed. See, sometimes... When it comes to faith, there's, there's, a, there's a shame that there can be a, a, a looking down on ourselves, especially in a, in a world or in a culture that pushes against and, and, and seeks to limit the influence of Christ. And sometimes we allow those fears to influence how we do faith. Sometimes we live with the fear of others. What are others going to think of me? Like, if, if people knew I was a follower of Jesus, what would they think of me? And so sometimes we try to keep our faith very private and just, in a sense, to ourselves. Sometimes we struggle not only with the fear of others, we struggle with the fear of failure. We have a, feel of, of, a fear of failure that, you know what, I'll, I'll try something, then it won't work, and, and I'll just I'll look foolish. Sometimes our fears arise in such a way that we think that if people really knew, I'll end up being all alone. You see, we, we are social creatures. We, we need relationship. We, we need family. We need community. And you know what? We, we all want to be loved, liked, and accepted. Yet sometimes as we live in the world, especially when we seek to live out our faith, we find out that we're not always liked, loved, accepted, even wanted. And because of it, we allow our fears to smother faith at work in our life. In the verse, in the passage that we read earlier from Mark, where Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, or if anyone would be my follower, he must take up his cross, deny himself, and follow me. Within that passage, right at the end, he says something that is like difficult. And I have to confess, I almost didn't include it in the summary verse that I would read every week. And that was the part that says this. Jesus says, if anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory and with his holy angels. I don't know about you, but doesn't that, that's not a hard verse. If you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. Like, 
when we allow fear, it robs us of relationship. It actually robs us of hope. It robs us of relationship. But we need to understand that what God has given us hardwires us not for fear, but for faith. That, that when, we, when we understand what God has done through Christ Jesus and what he, He's done in putting His Spirit in us, we begin to find out that, you know what, we're actually not fashioned for fear, we're fashioned for faith. And I love what Paul says, for the Spirit God gives does not make us timid. The Spirit God gives does not make us timid. But He gives us power love, and self-discipline. I love this. That the spirit that is in us, as we come to faith in Christ Jesus, God puts his spirit in us and he says, listen, I am giving you power. I am giving you the capacity to overcome those things which you fear. That there's one in us that is greater than anything we face in the world. You see, it's the power of the Spirit that enables believers to live out their faith boldly and courageously. If you look at the day of Pentecost, it was the Holy Spirit as it came upon the church that, that, that changed a whole bunch of people who were afraid into a mighty force for change that we still experience today. It was Jesus who, remind, who told His followers that they will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon them, and they will be my witnesses. That the Spirit of God, as the Spirit of God comes over us, it gives us power, ability, so that we don't have to live by fear. Secondly, He gives us love. I, I love this, that, that the Spirit of God not only gives us the, this, this power to overcome fear, He gives us love. He gives us the ability to love beyond our hurts, our history, to, to love beyond our fears. See, sometimes in our lives, we're afraid of things like relationship with others because we've been hurt. Anybody here ever been hurt in relationship? How many know being hurt in relationship makes it hard to have another relationship? Yet God says, listen, I want you to understand, I put love in your hearts. It's been poured out, Paul says in Romans 5, 5, that God has poured out his love in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. He, it's like he takes this giant bucket and says, okay, now I'm going to fill your life with love so that you don't have to live by fear, that you can actually live with this love. John would write about this love and say that perfect love casts out all fear. That when lo where love abounds, fear is not present. And when we understand that God has filled our hearts and our lives with love, it all of a sudden begins to change the way we interact in our world. Lastly, he says, not only does it give us power and love, but he says, gives us self-discipline. And that means that you and I have the capacity, we have the ability through the power of Jesus, by the power of his spirit, to change the channel. Now, how many grew up before remotes? Okay, a few of us. Now, even though we didn't start out with remotes, with little buttons, we still had remotes. You know how I know this? Because I was the remote. If you were the kid, you were the remote. How many know that to be true? Change the channel. All right, go up and change it. Dave, go turn up the volume. And Dave goes, turn it up. You know, and it, it wasn't just me. My parents were very gracious. They spread it around to everybody. So like, we all got to be the remote. It was a special feeling, right? Um, but, but you remember, 
changing the channel. Like you'd have to go up and, and, and do you remember like when you actually had to like, you had that dial and it would go click, click, right? Like this younger generation, they just like buttons and lights, you know, and it works, right? Like we had to go manually go ka-chunk, and you had to change the channel. So I remember when I was a kid, I would, I would, I would deal with like, you know, fear at night. And I, I remember being afraid, and um, I would imagine all sorts of things. How many know when you start living in fear, you start imagining all sorts of things? And you see things that aren't there. I remember all these different things. And, and I would get so worked up in my fear that I wouldn't be able to sleep. And, and as, a, as a young child, I would do what came naturally when I was afraid. And that is, when I'm afraid, I don't want to be alone. And so I call for the biggest person in my life to help fix it. So I'd yell for my dad. I remember my dad coming in one night in the midst of all of this. And my dad was always kind, coming in the middle of the night to, you know, help a screaming child. And my dad would say, what's wrong? And I'm like, well, and I would tell my dad, and he would listen to my dream. And then my dad gave me brilliant advice. He said, Dave, you just need to turn the channel. See, sometimes with our fears, we get all these pictures and we get all these images, and it, and it causes a whole lot of stuff in us. And, and again, we can begin to imagine things that may or may not be true. And sometimes we, we feel helpless and we, we feel hopeless, you know, because we're just like going, I just, I, I'm stuck in this place. Yet I want you to understand what the Spirit of God gives you the capacity to do. He gives you the capacity to change the channel so you don't have to live in fear. And this is so important. This is the whole idea of self-discipline. You can change the channel. The question is, will you? You see, the Spirit of God is in us, who does not give us a spirit of fear or of timidity, but gives us a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. And He did this because He wants us, He has called us to live a holy life. And part of living a holy life is beginning to understand that, you know what? I get to choose what I focus on. And this is why we have to learn to refuse fear and embrace faith. You see, we've been called to live a life of holiness, and holiness always moves in two directions. It, it, it's, it's, it's being set apart from something and set apart for something. And so we've been called to be holy. We've been called to be set apart from sin and from a life that revolves around ourselves. And to live a life that is set apart for God and if we are ever going to do it, we have to learn to refuse to allow our fears to limit our calling. You see, we need to develop a conviction that is greater than our circumstances. Paul will go on to, to write in verse 11, And of this gospel I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. And that is why I am suffering as I am, yet this is no cause for shame, because I know whom I have believed and am persuaded or am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to, to him until that day. You see, Paul had a conviction that was greater than his circumstance. 
I know whom I have believed. Again, this is Paul writing from prison. This is Paul writing when he knows that the Caesar, the emperor at the time, who happens to be Nero, he knows that he is not getting out of this prison alive. He knows that as a Roman citizen, if he got the death penalty, which he would, it would be by beheading. He knew that. Yet he said this even in this place, I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded. I'm convinced. And see, there's a part where we need a faith that becomes convinced in the goodness and the faithfulness of God that's bigger than our circumstances. And Paul says, listen, I, I, have, I, I know whom I have believed. I am convinced that he is able to guard what has been entrusted to him. So this idea of entrusted that, that we find here is actually the, the, the idea, so they didn't have banks like we did so that, you know, when you have money and valuables, you can, you know, we, we set our money in the bank because it's not always good to leave money around the house. Well, they didn't have all those same kind of luxuries as we have. And so what would happen is when someone would go on a trip, they would have all these valuable things. And they would have their, you know, their spare money kicking around or, or, or their valuables at their house that they wanted to keep around. And like, how do we make sure these are taken care of? And so what they would do is they would find a trusted person, a trusted friend, and say, I'm going to go away, but would you look after these for me? And Paul says, listen, I have trusted my life to Jesus. The things that are most valuable about me, I've trusted to Jesus. And I know that when I get to the end, I know who holds my life. You see, he recognized that his hope rested in one who had conquered death. You see, we have an amazing friend in Jesus who holds us and watches over us. And I know that we have many things that, that we find valuable and important. And this is where we learn to place them in the hands of our gracious Savior because we know whom we have believed and we are convinced that He is able. He's able to guard. He's able to guard. He's able to keep that which has been entrusted to Him. And because of it, we need to develop a conviction that's greater than our circumstance. You see, God wants us to refuse fear. Instead of a life that, that's lived from fear, God is saying, listen, I want to invite you, I want to encourage you to live a life by faith with, with a belief and a confidence that rests in Jesus. So how can we begin to refuse fear in our life? Number one, we have to make the choice. We have to choose faith over fear. You see, you and I, we have to make the determination in our lives not to allow our feelings to direct our lives, but our faith. Again, fear is a powerful emotion. And even in those moments where we feel most fearful, we have to make the choice to believe in the one who's called us. 
the one who's freed us from our sins, the one who rescues, the one who restores. See, this requires us to learn to discipline our feelings. Now, just so you know, this doesn't mean ignoring them. I know lots of people when it comes to emotions, they love to ignore them. I think we need to learn to manage our emotions in an appropriate and proper way, but we should never let our lives be directed by them. We need to allow our faith to be that which leads our life. If we're going to refuse fear, we have to just make the determination we're going to follow Jesus. We're going to choose to believe Him. Not only that, we need to seek the empowering of the Holy Spirit. You see, it's the Holy Spirit that that enables us. It's it's the Holy Spirit that enables us to to live in His His strength and His might. It's the Spirit of God. And and I love what it says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. So it goes on, it says at the beginning of it, don't be drunk with wine, which is excess. Like, don't just indulge your life. But then he goes on to say, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Like, if you're going to indulge in anything, indulge in the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And when he says be filled with the Holy Spirit, he's not saying just at a one-time moment. He's saying, listen, this needs to be a continual piece of your life where you continually seek the empowering of the Holy Spirit so that you can live the life that you were created for. You see, you and I, we all need the baptism in the Holy Spirit. We need the Spirit of God to fill our lives. If we're going to refuse fear... Not only do we need to choose faith over fear and seek the empowering of the Holy Spirit, but we also have to walk with confidence. You see, because of Jesus Christ, we don't have to live ashamed. Paul declares, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. Like, it's this gospel that's changed me. It's this gospel that's rescued me. It's this gospel that's helped me. It's this gospel that's freed me from my past. This this gospel that's, that, that's healing me from my hurts. It's this gospel that is forming my identity and purpose. And I am not going to be ashamed of the gospel. You see, we need to be a people that walk with confidence, even in a world that, that diminishes and, and looks at believers as like Neanderthals and as backwater people and old-fashioned We need to live with faith because we serve a risen Savior. And He's the God in the end who makes everything right. You see, the world didn't give it to us and the world can't take it away. We have been rescued and redeemed by a gracious God. We need to live and walk with confidence. We need to refuse fear. Lastly, we need to live out our calling with passion. Again, we are called to be holy. We are called to make a difference in this world. And so this is where the challenge for this week arises. Y'all ready for a challenge? Just so you know, this challenge is as easy as pie. Remember that? It seems like a long time ago when you said that. It's as easy as pie. So this is the challenge. Because I believe that we need to be a people who live out our faith not just privately, but in the world. So you ready for it? So it's an acronym, P-I-E. 
three things to do. If you got a pen, you should write these down. This is what you need to do for the remainder of our 50 days. If you do this, it's going gonna, it's gonna to confront some of the fear stuff in your life. You're going to go, oh my goodness. Okay, you all ready for this one? You want to begin to refuse fear? This is the challenge. This is how you begin to deal with this. Number one, P stands for pray with someone. Every week, find someone to pray with. And when I say pray with, let me, let me explain. How many know that our world is a messy world filled with lots of problems? How many know people are often sharing with us some of the struggles that they're going through? What would happen if the church said, oh my goodness, that is terrible. Would, be, would it be okay if I prayed with you? What if we took that moment, instead of just listening to someone's hurt, and say, you know what, can we just take a moment and pray about this? You may be like, they may not believe in God. That's okay. It's an opportunity for you to say, you know what, I just believe in a God who just, he helps us. Steps into history. Did you know the reason the, the early church made such a difference in the Roman Empire was because they believed that Jesus wasn't just for church. Jesus was the hope for salvation for everyone. And so they would take the message of Jesus everywhere. And, and you know what? I think you want to begin to refuse fear in your life. Here's the challenge. Pray with one person. Find somebody to pray with. Someone shares with you like, oh my goodness, this is a difficult, I'm going through this hard stuff. Say, hey, that, that sounds terrible. And then this is what you say. Would it be okay if I prayed with you. I just want you to know, this is what I do. I do this lots. Not only with church people, but with unchurched people. Oh my goodness, this is terrible. Hey, would it be okay if I prayed with you? Did you th this is me. You may have a different experience, but this will be me. I haven't had anybody say, no, don't pray for me. Never had that. Uh, it's generally like, okay. And then, what I'll do is I'll take a quick moment. I'll say, hey, can I pray with you right now? And then they go, uh, and then I make it really awkward to pray for you. Oh, here. Let's just pray real quick. Jesus, and I pray a short prayer. You don't have to pray a super long prayer. But take a moment and pray with someone. Let me tell you. Remember when I asked earlier, what are some of your fears? And I said, public speaking is one of them, right? Drawing attention to yourself. You're like, dude, I do that. I am putting a target on my back. But I want you to know, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. And we believe that Jesus makes a difference. It's our conviction. We know whom we have believed, and we are persuaded. So the P of the challenge is... Pray with someone. Just so you know, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do this in three minutes. So I got 1211. Got it. Next. The next one is this. Invite someone to come to church with you. Invite someone to come to church with you. Like I challenge you over the next four weeks, find one person in the course of your week and just say, hey, would you be interested in coming to church with me this Sunday? Hey, would you like to go to church? And you know what? They may say no, but that's okay. So pray with someone, invite someone, and lastly, encourage someone. Encourage someone. Write a note to someone. Just say, hey, once you know, we've been thinking about you, been praying for you. 
Hey, you remember you shared X with me? Just, hey, want you know, just encourage them. Find a way. Shoot a text. Write an email. Send a note. Take someone out to eat and just say, hey, I just want to encourage you today. And it doesn't matter if it's Christian or non-Christian. Just do it as an expression of, I'm going to live out my faith toward another person. Because you and I need to refuse fear. And so the challenge is as easy as pie. Pray with someone, invite someone, and encourage someone. Again, faith enables us to overcome fear through the empowering of the Holy Spirit. You and I must take responsibility for the fervency of our faith. Because if not, our fears will smother our faith and ruin our effectiveness. Not only that, we must refuse to allow fears to limit our calling. For some of you, you need to choose to turn the channel instead of continually dwelling on what you're afraid of. It's about turning the channel and beginning to believe, developing a conviction that's greater than your circumstance. I want to invite the worship team to come. So what we're going to do as we close is this. Worship team's going to play. This is your opportunity to begin to refuse fear. Oh, this is going to be fun. Y'all ready for this one? Because some of you are like going, no way. This is what I want you to do. I want you to get in a group of like three people or four and just pray, for, pray with one another. Just find out, hey, is there something I can be praying with you at? And then just do it. It's not big. It's not scary. Worship team just going to play really nicely up here. But it's our opportunity just to take a few moments and say, you know what? I'm going to begin to believe with someone. Now, some of you here, you're like, I don't usually pray out loud with someone. That's okay. You're going to confront that fear. Right, Robin? She's like, oh, no. I'm going to make her pray for me just to give her more pressure. Okay, <laughs> just, I'm just messing with you. But, you know, we, we need to say, you know what? I'm going to do this. Because if you can do it in here, you can do it out there. Because the same God that meets us in this moment is the same God that goes with us as we go out this door. So it's 12:11. I want you to get in groups of three or four, and I want you to take a moment just to pray with one another, and then in a moment, I'm just going to wrap it up. Make sense? Okay, it's time to move. Go find someone to pray with. I want you to know we love you. It's good to pray with one another and for one another. You know, we, we need to be a people who keep believing for God to do something in us and that believe the God who wants to do something through us. And I want you to know your prayers matter, your faith matters, and may we live uh, not limited by our fears, but may we allow our faith continue to grow that we can make a difference for him. I want you to know we love you. And uh, it's an honor to be your pastor. Looking forward to some miniature golf this afternoon. And uh, we, we'd love for everyone to make it if you can. Again, that's 3 p.m. at Shipwreck. Please know that you're loved. Hey, as you go, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you. Lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. Go in his strength and his might. Have an amazing uh, week in him. And we will see you all soon. Hey, God bless.